0: I'm Rob Skinner, and this is the Rob Skinner Podcast. Today on episode 102, I'm in Flagstaff, Arizona, talking to Ryan and Natalie Winkler. Ryan was baptized in Flagstaff in 1999 and has come back to help the church restart. He and his wife, Natalie, share about their battle to overcome addiction, their 17 year relationship together, and the drama that they've faced, how they've converted so many of their family members and why they decided to go on a mission team with a toddler and another baby on the way. All this and more on episode 102 of the Rob Skinner Podcast. Welcome back to the Rob Skinner podcast. My goal is to inspire you to live a no regrets life, to make this life count, and to multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. I'm recording this in Flagstaff, Arizona, where we're planting a church in June of 2021, and it has been so exciting so far. I'm so fired up to be here. It's been a long time, over a year of preparation and planning, pulling the team together, and it's going so well so far. Lots of activities, prayer, evangelism, and building team, building spiritual family. And two of the people that I'm interviewing today are on the Flagstaff mission team. That's Ryan and Natalie Winkler, and they are here from Manhattan Beach, California. And it's an inspiring story because they've given up so much to come here, and they're not even going to stay on the mission team full-time or or moving here. They're just giving a month of their time. It's amazing because Natalie is pregnant. They already have a a baby, a young boy named Abel. And they're working out of the home and sharing. It's just amazing to me, their heart for the mission. And so I wanted to give a chance for them to share their testimony and share their reasons for being here. So welcome, Ryan and Natalie.
1: Thank you so much for having us. We're super excited to be here.
2: Thanks, Rob. We're really excited.
0: Yeah, I'm just so happy to be able to talk to you today. It's been great to go out sharing and be together over the past week or so. And let me go ahead and start off by asking you guys, how did you become Christians and how did you guys get together? I'll just go ahead and ask those two questions together.
1: Sounds good, because it it does intertwine. So, um, you know, I grew up in a Lutheran church and, um, you know, so there was always a background there, right? Um, But it was very much, you know, your typical attendance and that's and that's about it um but you know i always prayed always knew there was a god always believing in god um you know as i got older um you know my brother kind of went ahead of me and uh we we kind of headed down the wrong path we got caught up in a lot of the stuff that was going on in los angeles at that time you know a situation where um you'd be kind of confused how two white kids ended up where we ended up right so it was a little bit different um you know, kind of just a rough group, tough group. Um, a lot of drug use and, and alcohol, and a lot of violence, and, and and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, we, yeah, we just lived a, a pretty tough life. So um, we got to a point where um, my brother's wife, um, or not wife, so so she became a Christian, and um, you know, they reached out to my brother and. and so this is this long, long trajectory of people slowly coming to Christ. And, um, you know, I had actually transferred up here to NAU to play football. So I was playing football at NAU, um, still living the same lifestyle as I was um, and doing a lot of those things. Um, my last year of playing football up here, um, I had gotten in some trouble. I was actually uh, I got arrested and I was facing five felonies. And. um I was really overwhelmed Um, during this whole time. My family kept, kept sharing with me, telling me that, you know, there's, there's a better plan for your life. Like there's a purpose for you. Um, It goes way beyond what you can see right now. Like you just, you just gotta, you gotta surrender. Like you believe, we know you believe you gotta surrender it. Right. Um, And so I ended up plea bargaining down to a felony and a misdemeanor, um, which meant my teaching career was over. Um, but it was the best they would give me. And I remember, so I went to court that day and this was kind of the start of me coming to Christ. I went to court that day and the judge was, went through the laundry list of things that had happened, right? I got kicked out of school. Um, you know, I had to pay full restitution. It was my first offense. I spent a week in County jail, all these different, um, things that had happened to me. And he said, you know, I, I really feel like you've been punished enough. I was like, okay, what does that mean? Right. (laughs) Like, that doesn't make any sense. And so he looks over at the prosecutor and says, Well, I'm gonna recommend a misdemeanor time served. I didn't know what that meant, right? I'm like, I've already plea bargained. This is locked in. So I look over at at, at the prosecutor here and didn't realize it was my old lawyer who happened to just be filling in that day for the guy that would who would not get would not drop it down to a misdemeanor. And he looked at me and he winked at me and he said. I think that would be fine judge. And so I, so, so I walked away with a misdemeanor time served and I still didn't know what that meant. I went to my lawyer after and was like, okay, where do I check in for probation? And he's like, no, I don't think you understand you're done. You have no felony on your record. You only have a misdemeanor and you're getting credit for the time that you were in County jail and you have no probation. Wow. And you know, and I was facing so much because I, I actually was taking the rap for, a few guys I just why bring other people into this i'll just take it on the chin right, and so at that moment. I knew everything that my family was telling me was true, I knew that there was a God that that had my back there was a God that knew me more than I knew him um, and that was the beginning of me really giving my life over to Christ. Um, you know, at that point I still was tinkering around, but I started opening my life up to God. Um, later that, that, that summer, um, you know, I met him, it was just one thing after another I met a girl I was really interested in, but she had just become a Christian. She wouldn't date me. And it was just, you know, just one thing after another, after another, after another. Um, so I actually had to move home for a while because I got kicked out of school and there was something that was drawing me back to Flagstaff. I didn't know what it was. I was just like, I got to go finish school, mom. Dad, I got to finish school. Mm-hmm. And they are just like, well, why do you feel like you need to go back? You can come here save money. And I'm like, I don't know. I got to go back. So I went back to Flagstaff. And just over time, I, I just, it was like, I kept bumping into to, to one disciple at a time. Um, and, and it just got to the point where I'm like, okay, you know, like enough's enough, right? Like this is, this is getting really strange. Um, you know, and I just got to the point where I was like, you know, God, I, 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 you know, you've got my attention. Um, you know, and so I ended up getting baptized in, um, in July of 99, um, up here in Flagstaff. Wow. Um, I stayed up here through 2001. Um, and then I, when I moved home, um, I I just kind of didn't get plugged back in again. You know, it makes me think of, of the scripture where it talks about, you know, do not become in the habit of, 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 of not meeting. Right. And that's exactly what I did. I got so caught up when I got back in in work and, you know, my parents were sick and taking care of them and doing all these things that I, I try to do this lone wolf Christianity thing. And, and we all know how that ends up. I mean, I can't I don't know a person who's fallen away that hasn't that hasn't been where it started. Right. Um, you know, um, during that time, my dad had cancer. Um, and so, you know, we were sharing with him. Um, he ended up passing away in 2002. Um, but at that point we actually, he had come to God, um, a month before he passed away and was baptized. That's amazing. Um, you know, and me and my brother and my sister-in-law got to baptize him in a horse trough in our garage because he was too sick to go anywhere. So we filled up the horse trough. And so, you know, it was this huge celebration, right? Like God brought salvation to my father, you know, like this is amazing. Um, And I didn't understand how much, how sad I was because there was this, this, this umbrella of joy over all of it. Um, My mom ended up passing two years later. Um, And when she passed, I think all the suppressed sadness and, and loss that I had kind of just compiled on top of one another um and that's kind of at the point that me and natalie met uh we met three months before my mom passed away and i was already in this process after my dad was baptized of slowly falling away from the church um and that's kind of when we met so i'll let her go on from here because this is where she kind of takes over
2: this is where I'll, i'll go ahead and jump in um so i i was actually raised catholic i went to um you know private catholic school Pretty much from kindergarten until a senior in high school, so 13 years. So I knew of God and I knew about Jesus and I knew about the Bible and the stories and things like that. Um, but I did not have a personal close one-on-one relationship with God. Um, and after I I got out of high school, I went on to college uh, for a couple of years and ultimately dropped out, just really didn't feel like college was my thing um, and so I started I came home that summer and I told my parents I didn't want to go back to school and I started working at a pharmacy as a, a pharmacy technician and one of my friends had told me that it was a pretty cool job that she had and that I should check it out and so that's what I did um, and that's where I met Ryan um, I was 21 years old and um, I just thought he was the cutest thing. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I thought he was like way out of my league, but um, his mom, as you mentioned, was very sick um, before she passed. And so he would come in quite often to uh, get medications for her. And um, so I, you know, I checked him out in the computer system make, made sure that he was okay before I got into anything too serious. And um, we ultimately exchanged numbers. Um, he actually left his number with one of my coworkers after she spilled the beans and told him that I thought he was really cute. And so I called him. And after that, we started dating. Um, and the be- the beginning of our relationship was really good. Um, you know, initially it was just, you know, honeymoon phase. Everything was amazing. We traveled and um, we just clicked.
1: Um, in the world.
2: Right. In the worldly sense, of yeah. course, you know, so um, he was amazing everything. We were just on cloud nine. Um, And then, as Ryan mentioned, his mom got sick and uh, got really sick pretty quickly and and ended up passing away um, just a very short time after we started dating. Um, And after that, uh, you know, things started to go downhill. Ryan fell into a really, really deep um, depression. And I should mention too that we were also living together. We, right after his mom passed, Um, We decided to move in together um, and he was going through his um, depression and it was just a really dark time in his life. Obviously, our relationship became very toxic
0: um, and
2: unhealthy, Um, so we ended up splitting up. I moved back home with my parents, um, but we, we actually still remained in each other's lives. I cared very much for him and I could see that he was in a lot of pain so I stayed close. I didn't stray too far. Um, and I would, I remember coming, you know, to visit him in his home after you know, a night out, I could tell he had a wild night of, you know, drinking and drugs and being out. And, you know, at this point, his, his home was going into foreclosure. There was no utilities on, no food in the house. Um, and I just, I became very fearful of, you know, where he was headed. So, um, You know, we just remained in each other's lives, but I tried to keep a distance um, just for myself, you know, to try to guard my heart a little bit. Um, But he was actually able to kind of start pulling out of that after he ultimately lost his house. Um, You know, I was a young, naive girl and he had nowhere to go. And I said, oh, well, (laughs) I'll move back in with you. I'll help you out, you know, (laughs) um so we did we ended up moving back into in with each other and this is kind of where my secret life began you know I didn't even really share with anyone my family my friends you know where I was living that Ryan and I were you know kind of back together but not really we were roommates sort of yeah Um, I can't
1: really explain it it was
2: it was still a very um toxic tumultuous very codependent relationship for years ryan was um still into drugs and there was just a lot of lying and deceit um and it was it was really hard i mean it it was it was not good not good i mean any any friend who would have really known my situation would have just said natalie what are you doing what are you doing with your life right um and I think I knew that deep down inside and probably why I didn't share with anyone what I was doing. Um, but during this time, I actually um, became, you know, addicted to opiates. You know, I discovered um, Oxy and Norco and, you know, they, they became my best friends and my whole world started to rely on how to feed my addiction and, as I mentioned, I did work at a pharmacy. And so it worked out pretty conveniently for me at the time having an addiction because I just started helping myself to the inventory at my job. And um, it was just one bad decision after another. Um, I also started, you know, selling, selling drugs, selling pills to try to um, help cover a lot of our expenses at the time. Ryan was not really ever able to hold up his share of the rent, so I'd have to you know, pitch in. So yeah, it was just a, a really bad time, a lot of bad decisions um, for myself. And um, I ultimately ended up getting arrested a couple of times um, and eventually had to surrender myself to the courts um and go to
1: county jail and um yeah and and i think for me that time that she had to go into county and we thought she was actually going to spend real time i knew it was because it was my fault right um i mean here's this angel of a woman dude who pretty much kept me alive Mm. Right. Like by showing up at random times just to make sure I'm breathing. Right. Like, wow. And just what I put her through. And I knew that the addiction came from that. And so that was kind of my wake up call. That was when I started to be like, okay, now it's time for me to like, I I need God. Like I need to turn back to him. I need to surrender myself because I'm not ruining my own life. I'm ruining everybody around me. Mm.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's, I know that that's Ryan's perspective and I'm responsible for my own life. And it really just came down to, I didn't value myself. Mm. I didn't value myself. And I had a huge void in my life and I was filling it with all the wrong things. And I had no self-worth, no self-respect. And I found my identity, not in God, but in all different kinds of places. And so um, my first night in County jail, I remember walking into the cell, then closing the door behind me, and just a panic, pure panic coming over my body. Um, Just thinking to myself, how am I going to make it through this? How am I going to do this? I'm going to go crazy in here. And I did the only thing that I could think of to do, and that was just pray. Mm. And I think I wrote my own chapter in Psalms that night because I literally cried out to God for help, I poured my soul out to him and just apologized for where I had ended up, you know, for not getting to know him better, Um, for putting myself before him. You know, I just, I had no idea how I had gotten there. You know, I I grew up with very loving parents, a supportive family. Um, I had everything I ever wanted or needed. Um, I had no, you know, quote unquote reason, I guess, you know, for being in that situation. And I just, I told God how sorry I was that I was there and that if he were to give me a second chance that he wouldn't regret it, you know, um, that I would start to live my life for him if he got me out of there. And the very next morning, 5 a.m., I heard my name over the loudspeaker saying that I was going home. And it was at that very moment that I just dropped to my knees and started crying and realized that I've never been alone and I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. that God has always been with me, even when I maybe haven't felt it or realized it. Um, and so Ryan came to pick me up um, at this point, still no one really knew what was going on in my life. And I, um, it was when he started to explain to me that it was going to be okay because God was going to use this somehow in my life. Mm-hmm. And that just really blew my mind. It was a completely foreign concept to me that this was somehow going to be used for good and that it was somehow a part of God's plan. Um, and that just completely shifted my thinking. And ultimately, I I really believe changed the trajectory of my life and it gave me a lot of hope
1: Mm.
2: and allowed me to move forward and not continue down that path or give up.
1: Yeah. And it was weird because I hadn't come back to God at this point, but I knew what truth was. And I knew that even though I wasn't faithful, he was, and I saw her heart in this moment and I knew she didn't understand what I understood, even if she couldn't see it in me, even if my life didn't reflect it, I knew it in my heart, Hmm. um, you know, that God does work out all things for the good of those who love him, right? And I knew she loved him, and I knew that, like, I just felt that God was pulling us in a different direction. Like, it was like these huge dodge shots across our bowels just to wake us up. It was like, almost like God protected us, protected us, and then he had to start disciplining us. Hmm. And that's what it felt like, this slow, loving discipline, just enough, just enough, like not to just crush our lives, but just enough to wake us up and and, and bring yeah. us back to him. Yeah. And, and so it, it just, you know, it, even when she talks about the facts, I know where I was at at that point, but that like I had some a, a scripture or something to say that, that would change the trajectory of our life. That, that's really God working.
2: Yeah. And, um, you know, so I, I, and I think right after that, um, you know, Ryan ended up getting arrested too, on this crazy fluke of a thing, driving on an unsus- or a suspended license. And, um, so I think it was at that moment that we were just like, okay, God's really trying to tell us something <laughs> like, you know, what is going on here? And so we, um, just really felt pulled to walk into a church that we were you know, had been, had driven by, you know, tons of times. We just walked into a church that was close to our house. And I think that's where my journey of, um, you know, faith and repentance, um, began really. And, um, we were going to that church for a few years. Um, and Ryan was encouraging me to, you know, get baptized. You know, I, I actually ended up, uh, You know, finishing my undergraduate degree and then um, moving to uh, Arizona, I moved to Phoenix for one year to get my master's degree. And um, like I said, during this time, Ryan was really encouraging me to get baptized. And um, I said, you know what, you're right. Um, I really do want to get baptized. And so I reached out to his sister in law. And she said, I would love to baptize you, but let's look at some scriptures together. (laughs) And I said, okay, sure. Yeah, sounds good. I mean, couldn't hurt, right? (laughs) Um, And so that was three years ago and I became a disciple and was baptized in May of 2018.
1: Yeah, and after Nat came um, to the South Bay Church, you know, getting baptized in, um, you know, we during the process of the studies, we knew that like the church we were going to although we love the people, we love the word, like it, it, you know, theologically, it, 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 it wasn't what we believed. And so as she started studying, you know, I started feeling called to like, you know, you need to be restored you need to come back to the church. You need to, you know, you're not going to change a church's doctrine, but you, you know, you can come in and really just infuse love and in, in, into, into back into the That's church true. that you were originally from. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. By my sister-in-law re- essentially reaching out to her, not only did she get baptized, but I also got restored. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we, uh, yeah, I mean, that was well,
2: That's our story, that's in, our story. A, in a big nutshell. I
1: yeah. Guess. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of details, yeah. a lot of intricacies to it, but yeah, that's about the as we've Pretty never much, been able to yeah. put it. So.
0: <laughs> that's an amazing story. Can you tell me, when did you guys get married?
2: Oh, that's a good question. We somehow always fail to omit that. We got married four years ago.
1: Yeah. So we've been on and off for 17 years and Mm -hmm. got married four years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we actually both came back to the church three years ago.
0: Okay. What, what a story. Now, Ryan, you're 45. Is that right?
1: I get confused. I think it's 45 this (laughs) summer. You're going to be 45. 45 in July.
0: Okay. And you have a little baby boy able. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One on the way. No kids up until up, up until this time amazingly enough.
1: No. no. I think mean, God knew better. <laughs> yeah.
0: Now how did you beat that addiction?
2: Um well physically it was really tough. Um you know I chose I chose to do it on my own essentially. I didn't go through um, like a rehab or a recovery program, I think I relied a lot on Ryan. I think through you know the physical withdrawal that was very painful and 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 difficult. Um, but honestly, by the grace of God, I beat that addiction. It's mm, um, amazing. I really did, and I think just through prayer and trying to consider God in my own way at that time and what that looked like for me in that moment. Mm. Um, That's, I think, how I beat it. And that was probably one of the hardest things that I've had to do and it wasn't easy. Um, But I know that it was God who healed me 100%. It was not by my own doing
0: whatsoever so yeah, impressive
1: we've, we've both been very blessed in that we both kicked addictions without rehab without any of these things like yeah. i think when we both just fixed our eyes on jesus it just it all took care of itself hmm. um there's no i don't know think you can explain it any other
0: way that's amazing well now here we are summer of, of 2021 uh we started letting people know about the Flagstaff mission team about a year ago. And you were some of the first people that, that joined and expressed interest. Why did you want to come to, to Flagstaff? I can think of about a thousand reasons why uh, you guys would not want to come here or be too busy or just, you know, have so much going on in your life. What's brought you back here to where you originally got baptized?
1: Yeah, it's, it's funny, Rob, because we were having a conversation, right? I mean, especially, you know, you have young kids, you start picturing, you know, what do we want our lives to look like? What, what legacy do we want to leave for our kids? What do we want them to see? And, you know, we were just talking about how we really want them to see us of service, right. To see the servant hearted parents who, um, you know, reflect Jesus and, you know, That it's not just attendance; it's it's letting really being a living sacrifice, living out your life, and and so we had talks. I had uh, in the midst of all that, I spent a summer in Ghana, Africa, um, with uh, a missionary group that was not was outside of our fellowship. Um, So I would had some experience doing missionary work, and we we just talked, and you know, we were like, you know, we we really feel like. We want that to, to be somewhat part of the DNA of, of, of our family. Like we want our kids to go on short-term missions or long-term missions, and and just see that you know this faith is living and active, mm-hmm. right? This is this is this is not you know something you do on the weekends. This is this is a lifestyle. Um, and then was it you that saw the Flagstaff planning?
2: I can't remember if it was me or, but well. yeah, I mean we saw. We saw the announcement about the Flagstaff planting, and we just thought, well, what a great way to, you know, start our first mission trip. We don't have to travel to like a third world country (laughs) or something like that. We can go to a place that we love to visit um, as our first mission trip, and I think that's what FIRST called out to us. Um, and yeah, as Ryan mentioned, you know, when I became pregnant with Abel, we really started to talk about the vision for our family Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, missions trips was very much a part of that. We just really wanted spreading the gospel to be very deeply woven into the fabric of our family.
0: That's amazing. That's amazing. It's, it's just been so great to see your enthusiasm and love. For for God and for people here in Flagstaff, any advice that you'd give to those who are considering missions or thinking, but maybe they're wrestling with their own life situation?
2: Go first. Yeah, I can go first. Do it. There, I. You know, as with many things that we're called to do as Christians, one of the things I kind of do to help myself work through something is if, if, if Jesus himself came to me in the flesh and said, and asked me to go to Flagstaff on this mission trip, would I do it? And of course I'm going to say yes, (laughs) right? Um, Yeah, I know that there's a ton of reasons not to do something. Um, But love of God, love for God, love for his kingdom, love for his followers, and for those who are lost, that's the most important reason, the only one that really counts Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. And... We, we did not make a mental pros and cons list and we had a whole ton of cons.
0: Tons.
2: Uh, we did. We had a lot. And there were quite a few, you know, obstacles that we had to overcome that we weren't really sure if they were signs or not from God about whether or not we should go. But, um, you know, we decided to come and give back in some small way to God what he's given to us
1: yeah I you know like she said we we had a lot of obstacles to get here <laughs> and a lot right before we came it was just one thing after another after another and, and so we we were really like, man is this you know what's going on here like is this god trying to tell us not and we just came to the conclusion like God doesn't use negative bad things to read like you know he'll use those things to redirect you but he's not putting them in our lives to stop us from coming right because we're coming we're seeking the kingdom of god we're putting it first right so we just we kind of ruled that out right um and we just and then we started thinking too like okay you know the enemy tends to use a lot of circumstances to put a lot of doubt in your minds, And I think everyone who would consider going on something like this, the enemy is going to attack you. The enemy is going to put doubt in your mind. He's going to remind you of all the responsibilities you have, all the things that you have to do, all the reasons you shouldn't do it. And you know, there's just nothing greater than, than stepping out in faith and just trusting God in this. Right. There's just nothing greater than that. And it's, you go, it's funny. We come here to serve, right. To encourage the brothers and sisters here to spread the gospel. Um, But God is just filling us up. Like what we feel by being here is just amazing. And and it's, it's, you know, it's truly Jesus, you know, it all comes back to him. And, and, you know, if, if you're out there, thinking about something like this, whether it's Flagstaff, it doesn't matter if it's July, August, a year from now, um, or you know, I know Hilo Church is being planted or, or any of the other churches. Uh, look at the calling of God first because God will take care of all of us. Yeah. If you step out, if you seek his kingdom first, all else will be given. And, and you just have to hold on to that and trust that. Yeah. And, and I think that's just what we tried to do. You know, and with the encouragement of some brothers and sisters at home, um, you know, I I think that's what's really helped to propel us to come and and be here. And we're super, super grateful that we did.
2: Yeah. And I think that um, for anyone who's considering, you know, being part of a church planting or any mission team, um, you won't regret it. You just won't. You might somewhere down the line, regret not doing it. You probably will regret not doing it, but I can promise you, and you can call me up one day, reach out to <laughs> Rob, give you a minute. call me up one day, but you will not regret it. Yeah.
0: You won't. Yeah. Now, Ryan, one thing you shared about with me, um, out on an evangelistic activity we had earlier today You've had a lot of your family members become Christians. It's pretty impressive. Can you just share briefly uh, the trail of those who have become Christians in in your family, extended family?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, and if you knew my family, <laughs> you'd be very surprised at the people that are disciples today from our backgrounds. We we've all lived yeah. some pretty rough, interesting, complicated lives. Um, it, like if so, my brother when he was nineteen had a baby with Lori. Um, so his baby mom, I don't know, you know, current term, but so she's my sister now, right? Like sister in Christ and my sister, I, we don't view her any differently. So they were broken up, her and her husband actually got invited out and were baptized in the church. Um, and so that was the first domino, right? My, my sister-in-law and she just was relentless. Right, just abs, she is relentless. Um, and she so
2: she- I second that,
1: <laughs> yeah, she's sharing with my whole family, you know, so is Eddie. My Eddie's inviting my brother out to activities, and keep in mind, my-, my brother and Eddie hated each other. And all of a sudden, this dude's like calling him up, asking him to go to Bible studies, asking him to go to movies. My brother's like, What is going on here? <laughs> so, my brother starts looking at the scriptures, and-, and you know, he's still very much caught up in the drugs and and, and you know the addiction and the you know, drugs, drugs, you know, dealing and all the stuff that we were into growing up. And he just, the scripture started, he, he just was like, man, I'm not right. by, I'm not right by God. Like I'm going, I'm going to hell. Like That's, you know, that's just really where he got to. And he just was like, man, like Jesus loved us enough to do that. And so he ended up getting baptized. That was the next domino. So now I got my brother hit me up. Like, <laughs> it's just like, it's like an, it's like an assault. So while I was in Flagstaff, uh, my, my mom ended up getting baptized. Amen. She was the next domino to go down. So they were studying with her. My mom got baptized. My my mom, I believe her grandmother was mainline church of Christ back in the day um, when she married my father. My father came over here from Germany. So the Lutheran thing was the thing to do. Right. Like, but you know, we didn't live it out. Right. So the, I was like, man, my mom's getting baptized now. And now my mom's, you know, try, trying to evangelize me and sharing with me. And it was just all weird. Right. So, you know that we talked about the process of me. So I was the next element to fall. So I got baptized, um, and then when I moved home, you know, my dad being really sick, he agreed to study the Bible, right? He agreed to study the Bible, and he never would. I mean, we all worked on him, and he wouldn't do it. And um, so he studied the Bible, and and you know, when he agreed to be baptized, he he said that you know he's like I praise God for my cancer. And the brother that was studying with him was like, what do you mean by that? You know, that's, that's a really strange thing to say. And he just said, you know, without my cancer, I never would have been humble enough to truly accept what Jesus did for me. I always felt I had to earn it. And I never knew that grace was so free. And he just said, you know, I praise him for my cancer because it was my, it's my salvation. And that was a month before he passed away. Wow. And so, and in the midst of all that, you know, my my nephew was baptized somewhere in the midst of all that. My niece has now since been baptized. She's living out in Texas. My nephew um, actually serves in the teen ministry in the same church that we go, or in the South Bay church where we're at. Then Natalie was next. And so it's just, yeah, it's all started with just one family member being bold and willing to step out and, and really speak truth, speak truth into our lives. Right. And it, and it just was, it was just a domino effect. It just, everyone kept going down. And, and now we're hoping that, you know, that domino effect keeps going through the rest of our family on, on Natalie's side and, and, you know, and, you know, all glory to God, you know, it's, we, we are so unworthy and yet he, and yet he, he, you know, he found, he found us worthy enough for his son to come die for us. And that's just amazing. Yeah.
2: And I just want to add onto that, that that, That really is um, kind of a lot of the idea behind planting a church and being on a mission team and doing outreach and sharing your faith because you might cast your net and only get one person to come to church, but that one person has a family and that one person has friends. And, you know, it's a domino effect. You know, a lot of people will end up coming to Christ and being saved and realizing that Jesus died for their sins. And and that's what it's about, you know, planting the seeds.
0: Yeah. Ryan and Natalie, thank you so much for being on the program today and for being on the mission team. It's been fantastic to get to know you, to hear your story is so moving. And I look forward to spending the rest of this month while I'm here and you're here as well preaching the word. And I'm going to be praying that both of us, as couples, we help a lot of people become Christians and the entire team. So thank you.
1: Amen, Rob. Thank you Amen. thank you so much for having us.
2: Thanks, Rob.
0: And I want to thank you today for listening to the Rob Skinner podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, please hit the subscribe button and let your friends know about it and how to find it. If you're interested in the Flagstaff mission team, come on out. It would be great to have you, whether a short term or long, it'd be great to have you. My goal is to inspire you, to make this life count live a no regrets life and multiply disciples leaders and churches have a great day and make this life count